Well, thank you, Tito and Mike and uh, the band for leading us in worship today. Thank you very much for your uh, presence here and leadership in our worship. And congratulations to you who are graduates. Uh, uh, My heart was thrilled. And David, what a powerful testimony. Thank you for sharing that with us. Ted and Joanna are in Montana today. They'll be back on Thursday of this week, uh, weather permitting. So uh, we appreciate uh, the group stepping in and leading us in, in worship today. Hope your new year has started off to a good start. Abraham Lincoln was born on February the 12th. If he were still living, how old would he be this coming February the 12th? Oh, he'd be 200 years old. And in your worship folder, you have a picture of the tombstone that's on the grave of Abraham Lincoln, where he's buried in Springfield, Illinois. And you have there his birth dates and his death date. He was born in 1809, so this is the 200th anniversary of his birth. And he died a day after being shot in the Ford Theater at the age of 56 in 1865. Now, as you look at this graphic behind me, what is between the birth date, 1809, and the death date, 1865, of Abraham Lincoln? A dash. You get a lot of things to choose in your life, but you don't get to choose when you're born, do you? And you don't get to choose who your parents are. You don't get to choose the country you're born into. You didn't get to choose the early schools you went to. There are lots of things in life you cannot choose. There are lots of things coming up you can't choose. But you know what you can choose? You can choose how you live in the dash. Between your birth date and your death date. You do know you have a death date, right? I know it's a terrible thing to say on the first Sunday of the new year. I'm sorry. But I have a point to make, and I'm uh, willing to risk offending you to make it. You were born, and you're going to die. And in between is the dash, and you and I have a choice about how we're going to live in that dash. Abraham Lincoln, uh, of course, made some speeches we still read today. His ability with the English language was quite great. But he said this. He liked a poem called Mortality. He didn't even know at the time he heard the poem who had written it. He found that out much later. He liked it so much that he memorized this very long poem. And Abraham Lincoln said about the poem Mortality this, I would give all I am worth and go into debt to be able to write so fine a piece as I think that is. Now, that poem begins with these words, Oh, why should the spirit of mortal be proud, like a swift fleeting meteor, or a fast fleeting cloud. A flash of lightning, a break of a wave, he passeth from life to rest in the grave. The scripture puts it this way, do not boast about tomorrow because you do not know what a day may bring forth. Now, as we start this new year, I'm very excited about this series we're calling One Month to Live and the challenge that we're going to give today and for the next six weeks. And I want to talk to you today about living in the dash. Uh, We're going to be on this journey together, and I want to encourage you to join in the journey at several different levels. One of my favorite poets is W.H. Auden, an amazing poet, and he wrote this. I don't know, I'm into poetry today, okay? 
I know you're not supposed to use poetry in sermons much anymore, but anyhow, listen. He wrote in, in a poem this, In headaches and in worry, vaguely life leaks away, and time will have his fancy tomorrow or today. Picture you're going to water the flowers, so you put your water in a bucket, and you take the bucket over to the flowers, but when you get there, you realize there's a hole in the bucket, and all the water leaked out, so you can't water the flowers. That line to me that Auden has in his poem, vaguely life leaks away. How many people have already said to you this year, maybe you've said it, where did 2008 go? Huh? It just leaked away. It's gone. And I want to help you focus today on your life and uh, how to live in the dash. And we're going to do that by looking very briefly at the greatest life ever lived. Who might have lived the greatest life ever? It wasn't Abraham Lincoln. Please don't say his name. Who might have lived the greatest life ever? Jesus, of course. And so I want to focus in, how did Jesus live between his birth date and his death date? I think there are some principles there that can be helpful to us. One of the... To me, in some ways, the best scriptures in the Bible and one of the most disturbing scriptures at the same time is this one, John 10.10, just part of the verse. Jesus said this, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Now, I know you don't like the structure of that sentence, but be cool. Are you living the more and better life Jesus came to give? In the King James Version, it's stated like this, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Again, that's a little bit of an odd sentence. More abundantly, or more and better life. But Jesus says, I've come to give you a great life, a real life. And as we begin this one month to live towards a no-regrets life, we're really talking about what did Jesus mean when he said that? What does it mean to have a a better life, a, an abundant life. And that's what I want to talk about. Uh, in your outline, I have a quote from a professor at USC. Now, you all know what W, the initials WWJD stand for. You know, what would Jesus do? That's, that's old-fashioned now, right? We're in a new year, right? We're not going to use that anymore. I never was real happy with that anyhow. And, and Dallas Willard puts it this way. He's, the point is not to do what Jesus would do, because you're not Jesus, neither am I. He went to a cross. I hope I don't have to go to a cross. The point is this. Dallas Willard says, and this is a little tricky, so I've printed it out for you. You can take it home. I'm learning, to, I'm learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live my life if he were I. Hmm. And that's another way to express what we're talking about. Well, how did Jesus live his life? Uh, the first principle we're going to look at is Jesus lived passionately. Jesus lived passionately. You remember, because Christmas was just a few weeks ago, you remember the story in the Christmas setting when uh, Jesus is a baby and he's born. You know those stories. And then we don't know much about his boyhood. The only story we actually have is in Luke, where Jesus goes with his parents to the temple. We assume he's about 12 years old. And uh, they leave and can't find him. Jesus is lost. His parents don't know where he is. You know the story. And so the Mary and Martha, uh, Mary and Martha, Mary and Joseph go back to the temple and they find Jesus there. And of course, Mary's all upset. She's lost her son. What are you doing here? Why did you flake out on us like this? And so they ask Jesus, and what does Jesus say? 
He says, didn't you know I had to be, where? In my Father's house. Jesus lived passionately, and his passion was to hear God and do God's will. Over and over in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I came to do the will of the Father. I always do what God says. In the Gospel of Mark, Mark uses words like immediately and straightway, and we see Jesus here healing, and there choosing disciples, and he's always busy. He's living passionately. And I want to challenge us, and we're going to talk about this more next week, but uh, what does it mean to live passionately? In the Scripture, in 1 John 5, it says this, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and that life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, Howie Mandel has a show, and what's the name of that show it's called? He asks you, Deal or No Deal. What's the name of it? Deal. Deal. That's the name. Okay. The show, if you haven't seen the show, it's on TV. It's very popular, and it's How to Be a Millionaire. And the contestant there has all these beautiful women up there with suitcases. And the idea is some of them have lots of money, some of them don't, and you have to choose. Or, Howie, of course, has a deal for you. He'll guarantee a certain amount of money, but it's far less than might be in that suitcase. So the contestant has to decide whether to take the deal Howie offers or to choose the suitcase and maybe get a million dollars. And Howie will say, deal or no deal. Now, Jesus said, I've come to give you an abundant life. I've come to lead you into the more and better life. But Jesus is not the only one talking, is he? Satan's out there. He said, why are you wasting your time in church today? Why are you following Jesus? That's just difficult. There's no fun. All those rules. Why would you go to a Baptist church? You can't, uh, you know, do whatever. Fill in the blank. And so there's another voice out there. Satan's often saying, you know, come my way. Don't follow Jesus. That's hard. He doesn't have your best interest. And so that you have to decide which deal are you going to take. And this morning, I just want to remind you that Jesus lived life passionately. And he lived life fully. And so you and I have to make a decision. Which way are we going to live our lives? Are we going to live passionately? Are we going to weep with those who weep? Are we going to laugh with those who laugh? Are we going to identify with people in need and help out? Or are we just going to be selfish and say, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need to listen to God. I'll just do what I want. And I want to remind us at the beginning of this year, we have choices about how we're going to live in the dash. And as we look at Jesus' life, he lived life passionately. And I think that's a key for us as we think about a no-regrets life. Now, we're going to talk more about that next week. So let me go to number two. Jesus loved completely. Jesus loved completely. Would you read this scripture with me? It's on the screen behind me. Uh, The scripture says this. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Now, you may remember that story. What did Jesus then do? Well, he was on his way to the cross. That's one way he showed the full extent of his love. But he got the towel in the basin and washed their feet. You remember that story? Jesus washing the disciples' feet. He served them. He showed them his love. That was his heart's desire. Let me help you know I love you. Now, people can love you and you can resist it and say, no, I don't really believe you. I don't really think you love me. And we all struggle because we're broken human beings. We struggle to receive love. And even Jesus' disciples weren't sure about this, but Jesus loved them completely. Now, if you had only one month to live, if you actually realize, you know, I've just got a short period of time, 
I think love would be a high priority. You were made to love. Do you know that? God created you to love. Love is the best gift. It's the highest gift. It's the greatest gift to love. God made you to love. And Jesus is our example. He loved completely. This past uh, June, I was in Chicago, and I rented a car and drove up to uh, Rockford, Illinois, on the border of Wisconsin. And I wanted to visit my friends Donna and Larry Powers. Uh, We've known them for over 30 years. Our kids grew up together. They helped us enormously. They fed us through seminary, and our boys played together. And so I called Larry and went up there. Now, Larry had called me a year ago this month in uh, January of 08, and he said, Steve, my brain cancer's back. Ten years ago, Larry had surgery on his head. They removed some cancer from his brain, and he did pretty well for ten years, and it came back, and they operated again. So in June, I wanted to see him. And it just turns out the day I was there, he had been having some troubles. His son, Matt, took him to the doctor up in Wisconsin that they were visiting, and he was at the hospital. I was actually in their home when Matt called back to the house to talk to his mom, Donna, and said, Dad's cancer has spread. There's nothing they can do. He's got a few weeks or a few months. And so Larry came home. We had dinner together. We sat on the back porch. Uh, we talked together. We laughed together. We cried. And I said, Larry, Larry, I love you. And Donna, I love you. And Matt, I love you. And that's the last time I saw Larry. He passed away a few weeks later. Now, I don't say that to upset us, but we don't know how much time we've got. And if there's somebody in your life that you need to reach out and let them know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them, when are you going to do it? Next year? You may not have next year. And so as we look at Jesus, Jesus was a person who loved completely, and he calls us to that kind of love. In fact, he equips us with his spirit to be lovers of others. And I'm excited about this series because I think it's going to help us follow Jesus and do what we ought to be doing so that our lives don't leak away and we end up with a lot of regrets. You don't have to do that. You have a choice how you can live in the dash. And you make that choice every day when you get out of bed. So I'm excited about this. There's a video here that I think helps illustrate the point. And it's just one dad who heard this series of sermons and this message and he decided to do this for his son. Let's Let's uh, watch this video together. Jesus loved completely. Jesus lived passionately. Number three, Jesus learned humbly. From that great passage in uh, Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about Jesus coming to earth, it says this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality... with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus learned humbly. I'd like you, as you look at the scripture on your outline, there are two words I'd like you to circle or underscore in some way. And the first word is humbled. Jesus humbled himself. And the second word is he became obedient. So humbled and obedient are two words to uh, emphasize. Now, do you ever humble yourself? You don't have to answer out loud. Do you ever humble yourself? When was the last time you might have done that? What did it look like? You really humble yourself? And uh, another way to come at this is to say, are you willing to humble yourself 
Or would you rather have God humble you? <laughs> I know the answer to that. How did Jesus humble himself? I think there are two ways that are very important for us. Jesus lived humbly. He learned humbly. And he, first of all, humbled himself by listening. Jesus listened to God. What was he doing in the temple that day? He was reading the scriptures. He was listening to the scriptures be taught. He was listening to the teachers of the law. He was learning. He was listening to God. And if you're going to be living and learning humbly, you're going to be a listener. There's just no, there's no other way around it. There's no question about that. You'll be a listener. But that's not enough. He also was, and what's the second word we underlined? He was obedient. He was obedient. It's not enough just to hear, is it? Jesus then did what God told him to do. And that's the, the example Jesus has for us. He learned humbly by listening and then by doing what God told him to do, even to dying on a cross. Now, you learn humbly when you listen to God. We've all been shocked this Christmas season by what happened in Covina just a few miles from here. And that conversation keeps coming up amongst people. In fact, I was with a police officer on Friday, and we were talking about this kind of a horror. And for me, as I read that as a pastor, what really amazed me was this man was a churchgoer. He was very active in his local church. So what I know is that he heard the Word of God. He was with people who prayed. He sat in worship services like we're having. He was around people who prayed. He was around the Word of God and reading the Scriptures. He heard the Word of God in his ears. He heard the message. What happened here? I certainly cannot give an answer fully to that question, but I know one thing that happened. That there, and I've had similar situations, not this tragic, but where people have walked out of church where I preached and done some horrible thing, and I say, my God, how does this happen? If you've been around much, you've experienced this too. Well, I'll tell you, part of the answer is that we can hear the Word of God, but we ignore it. We don't change our behavior. We just say, good message, pastor, and go on our way, and we don't humble ourselves and do what we're told to do. I congratulate these parents because they are shining examples of humbling themselves and saying, I've got some things to learn in my life. I can know more. I can do better. And so they've come to class, what, 10 weeks? Sat for three hours through class every week. They've humbled themselves. They've learned. And now they're doing it. And that's the other piece. And this guy never did it. You know what he did? He heard the word of God. And when God nudged him to be humble towards his wife, humble towards his children, he got a hard heart. He didn't do it. And evil came in there, and you see the results. And so this is a big deal to learn to humble ourselves. You say, Steve, how do I do that? Well, I've got a couple suggestions here in the uh, outline. In uh, Proverbs 3, it says, In everything you do, put God first, and God will direct you and crown your efforts with success. How do I put God first? Well, turn to your neighbor and just say, congratulations. Would you do that? Now, I'm congratulating you because on the first Sunday of the year, what are you doing? You're in church. You're worshiping God on the very, you're beginning the year in God's house on the very first Sunday. So that's, that's one way to humble yourself is to worship God. The first day of every week goes to God. I'm going to worship you. Another way is the first part of every day. Do you have some ritual, some good habit? Of, of reading your Bible in the morning, of talking to God in the morning to begin your day with God. Class 201, we talk about that. It's essential to following Jesus to begin our day with God. 
Another thing we do, we do a, give a first part of our income to God. We give our offerings and tithes. And then another challenge is at, during this season and throughout our lives, at every decision point, say, God, what would you like me to do? Jesus, what, what do you want me to do now? And to give every decision to the Lord for the Lord's advice. That's how we humble ourselves. And then finally, Jesus... Uh, lived passionately, Jesus loved completely, Jesus learned boldly, and Jesus learned humbly, and he left boldly. That's number four. He left boldly. The Bible says, as the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. In Isaiah, it says he set his face like a flint. He, he was determined, I'm going to do what God says to do. And Jesus did that. Did Jesus accomplish his mission on earth? He absolutely did. One hundred percent, he did. Uh, He accomplished his mission. When you get to heaven, here's what I hope for Steve. I hope it for Joyce. I hope it for every one of us. That if, if we can really take this challenge, and if we can begin to live our lives as Jesus would live his life if he were I, if we live like that, if we live a no regrets life, when you get to heaven, Jesus has already told us what he's going to tell you. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'm now going to give you charge over many things. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy, the happiness of my kingdom. Come on in. Let's have a party. Don't you want to hear those words, well done? I know you do. And you will as you put into practice these principles and you live your life for Jesus. The question is, who are you living for? Do you know about being a people pleaser? We all are at some level. You know, we've all done things just to please others. The question I want to end with is, is whose approval are you seeking? Who are you living for? And if you, if you think about it, if you really knew that on January 29th, you were literally going to see Jesus in heaven and sit out in his office. Does he have an office? I don't know. Maybe you'd sit out in the park. And Jesus says, I want to review your life. Especially those last uh, few days. You knew you were coming up here. How'd you do? (laughs) Well, what would you do? You would be living for an audience of one, Jesus. And isn't that really the way we're supposed to live? Uh, We've got some books out back on this One Month to Live series. If you care to pick up a copy, they're back there. They're $15. If you really can't afford that, we want you to have the book anyhow. We've got small groups. They're listed in your bulletin. Hope you'll be a part of those. They start this week, in fact, tomorrow in Atherton. Um, there are lots of ways you can connect. In the material that uh, pastors Chris and, and Carrie Shook put together, uh, he tells a story, and I want to tell this story to you, and, and I'm conflicted because I could tell this story three different ways. I've actually uh, you know, Lance Armstrong is a cycling hero of mine. His coach, Johan Bernil, tells a story very similar to this story. So there are a couple ways I could go here, but I'll keep to the text here. There's a story about a young man who played high school football. And he wasn't very good, so he was second string. He was a linebacker, and the only games he got in were, or only time he was in the game, was when there was a kickoff or punt return, something like that. They'd put him in for one play, and then he'd come out. His dad was blind, but his dad always came to the, to the high school games. Well, he became a senior, again, second string linebacker, never played. And on the last game of the season, that morning, this kid came into his coach's office all fired up and said, Coach, I have to start the game. It's my senior year, last game, I have to start the game. And he was just obnoxious about it. 
Finally, the coach, you know, the coach said, you know, you don't start, and you might get in the game, and kept pushing him back, and this kid was just insistent. Finally, the coach said, well, I can't make any promises, but even if I start you, you won't be in very long. So I'm not promising you anything, but go on, get out of here. So the kid left. Game started. Coach decided to play the boy when the defense was out on the field. So this kid's out on the field, first play from the offense, and they hand the ball off to the fullback who comes charging towards the line, and bang, he doesn't make it the line. This kid shoots through the tackles and knocks him down. The coach's eyebrows are kind of surprised, but, you know, luck happens. So second play of the game, the quarterback drops back, and here comes this kid out of nowhere, and he sacks the quarterback. Well, the coach decided, you know, as long as he's making tackles, I'll leave him in. The kid ended up playing the whole game, made 20 tackles. After the game, the coach takes the boy aside and says, what happened to you? You know, you've been on this team forever. You're second string and you're, you're playing like an all-star. What in the world's going on here? And the boy said, well, coach, you know my dad. He comes to every game. He says, yeah, I know your dad. He said, well, he died last night. And this is the first game my dad could ever watch me play. Made a difference. He was playing for an audience of one. Now, those kind of things actually happen in real life. There are other stories, as I said, I could tell similar to that. Well, what difference would it make in your life if you really thought that you were playing for God? And as we begin this series about living in the dash, I want to challenge you. How are you living? Don't let your life leak away. God shaped you for a purpose. God has things for you to do today and tomorrow and in the future. Are you doing them or not? I want to give you a moment just to reflect on the Word of God to you today. On the back of the outline, I've listed several bullet points, ways you can connect to our series. And I'd like you to bow your head right now and to, to look at those bullet points or just close your eyes and take a moment to silently pray to God and say, Lord, I really do want to live correctly in the dash. I want to live for Jesus. I don't want to waste time. I don't want life to leak away on me. Take a moment and I'll be silent and you can pray and then we'll conclude. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, um, I want to ask this question. And your response can be by raising your hand. The question is, do you want to join me in taking this journey towards a no-regrets life? If you say, Steve, I'm in the journey with you for the next six weeks. I do really want to focus on my life, how to live for Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand? I'm going to pray in a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Many of us have our hands up. Thanks. Let me pray. Lord, you see those of us who have raised our hands and opened our hearts to you. Father, oftentimes we're confused about how to live. Sometimes we know we get tempted and go the devil's way, and we're sorry for that. But other times we're just not sure. And I pray that during this season we might have a new sensitivity to your spirit, guiding us to your word, directing us. Help us to live like Jesus. Help us to, help us to live passionately. Help us to love completely. Help us to learn humbly. And when it comes our time to leave, Lord, I pray like Larry, we can leave boldly. We can leave knowing we've done our best. We don't have any regrets. We're ready to meet you. Thank you for this moment, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.